I'm just going to step right into what he has this morning. I don't have any notes or anything. I tried to prepare a message, and he said, just get up there and talk from your heart. So the Lord's just been speaking to me um, as we go. Thank you, Jesus. I just want to shift our perspectives just a little bit. This is a season where God is beginning to call in the remnant. He's beginning to call in the remnant. And what that means is it means the group of people that will be faithful. And so he's beginning to separate the wheat from the chaff. And what that means, again, is he's taking off all the fluffy stuff that falls off too easy. Right? There's a lot of people that are fluffy. Do I got some fluffy sheep in here? Right? You know what happens? You know what happens to fluffy sheep? They get sheared. That's what happens to fluffy sheep. They get sheared. And sometimes they just can't handle it because it makes them too cold or too anxious. And, you know, I've, I've said a lot of times I have an apostolic calling on my life, so I want to raise you guys up into leadership. I want to raise you up. I want to pull out. I want to draw out every bit of, of, of skill, talent, wisdom, love, joy. I want to pull out all of your giftings. I want to raise them up to the top. I want to stretch you like Laffy Taffy, okay? And, yes, I want there to be laughs in there, so Laffy Taffy, okay? So, Right? Right, because I might be stretching you, but I'll say a little joke in between, so it's okay, all right? So that's the, that's the, the reprieve. So I want to stretch you. I want to do that a lot of times, but what happens is, is that I forget a lot of times that I am uh, an apostolic person hiding as a shepherd, all right? I'm in, I'm in disguise as a shepherd. What that means is that I take care of sheep. I take care of people, and sometimes I forget who I'm talking to. I forget if I'm talking to leaders or sheep, and leaders are sons. You can correct sons, but sheep get startled easy. So you may be in here and you may get startled very easy. Don't take it that I don't love you. I'm just trying to stretch you. Amen? Amen? And if it startles you, then you're going to have to stop and say, oh, maybe I'm just being a sheep. And there's nothing wrong with being a sheep, but I think every one of you have leadership potential. I think every one of you have something in you that God wants to use. Amen? Or some of you are just like, no, 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 I just, I just want to suck. I just want to, that's better. I just want to suck. Uh, I don't think so. Right? Anybody? Nobody? No hands. Okay, good. Okay. Just making sure we're on the same page. I don't want to give a message that doesn't speak to you. You know, if you're like, no, I thought I was coming to church today to find out how bad I was. Isn't that what church is supposed to be for? So I can go there, feel terrible about myself, and then go home? Right? Repent! Repent! That's what church is supposed to be for, right? There's two types of churches in America, it seems like. They're the ones that make you feel really, really terrible about yourself, and you're awful. And there's the other ones that are like, you're just perfect. It's fine. It's fine. You're just wonderful, right? And you either fall in one of those two categories, and it's not very pretty when those two people come together to hang out for Thanksgiving dinner, right? Some of you guys are about to have Thanksgiving dinner, and you know you got, you got like, repent uncle, and then you got grace grandma, Right? <laughs> right? And, and you can't do anything wrong to grandma, but uncle's like, what is wrong with you, you awful, evil sinner? And you're like, why am I a sinner? You, you shaved your, 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 uh, your sideburns. You're like, I'm pretty sure I'm allowed to do that. No, Deuteronomy says. Actually, I think that's Leviticus, but all right. Come on. No, it's Leviticus. I'm sure of it. I know because I quote that one often. It says, don't shave your sideburn or tattoo yourself. It literally says it like in the, in the verse to verse. It said one, the verse before it says, don't shave your sideburns. And then the next one says, or shave your beard or tattoo yourself in remembrance of the dead. So everyone will focus on the tattoo, but everyone's like, I shave my sideburns, sinner. Okay. 
So no one ever focuses on that. Anyways, okay. So look, I think that God wants to stretch you and grow you, but we have to keep things in perspective. And even for me, I need a refresher about perspectives of what it looks like to grow and stretch. And here's the reality of what the Bible says. Did you know that the word leader is only used six times that I found in the Bible? Six, depending on your translation. But that the word servant is used 900 times in the Bible. So it seems to me that God spends a long time trying to teach us how to serve, not how to be served. I got no notes. This is Holy Spirit this morning. So it seems to me that the definition of leadership, the definition of you growing into your position of authority in the kingdom of God is all about how, what your perspective is of what you do for other people. If your perspective is, ah, people need to see how awesome I am, you might be falling into the category where God spends six verses on you. But if your perspective is to spend time saying, what can I do for others and how can I see what they carry and who they are, you might fall into the 900. And so there has to be a moment where we transition and realize that the goal of our life is not to make more money, to get the promotion, to be more highly favored, to have all the friends, but it's what can I do for others? And the question has to become, when you ask yourself, how come I don't have those friendships? How come I don't have those relationships? How come I don't have that standing? How come people don't see my talents and abilities? The question is, what have you done for others today? Have you done anything to see somebody else's talent? To see somebody else's giftings? To see somebody else's value? Here's what I'd like to challenge you with today. Normally, this might be the end of it. I would challenge you with this. When you begin to ask yourself, how come no one sees what I carry? I would challenge you to stop and see what somebody else's carry and go to them and let them know and assume that just maybe. See, assumption can be the root of all stupidity, okay? But there are good assumptions, and a good assumption might be this, to assume that maybe nobody's told them how awesome they are today. I've never met anybody. There might be one or two. I've never met anybody that I told them, hey, you're awesome, and they were like, stop it, I'm mad at you now. <laughs> right? I have a default answer for that. If someone comes up and starts bragging on me how awesome I am, I'm always like, you have 30 minutes to knock that off. Some of you are like, I don't get it. It'll click, it'll click. Like, why is he telling him to stop? It'll click in a second. We have to be people that do. Cert leaders are servants. And here's the truth. All of us are servants. All of us are sheep at some point. And that means sometimes we get sheared, and sometimes we just get to be fluffy. All right? Usually happens around winter, definitely happened around this whole isolated home thing, didn't it? Some of us got fluffy. Yeah, I'm trying to get rid of the fluff. It's, it's uh, pray for me, y'all. It's difficult, right? It's real. The struggle is real. So I know that God wants to take us deeper. He wants to go further. But what, like I said in worship, we cannot escape 
the pain of this world. We cannot escape the trials of this world, the frustration of this world by seeking after temporal things, things that only matter in this world. If your answer is in this world, then you will not get an answer. If the world is the problem, then the world can't also be the solution. Oh, someone needs to write that down so I can quote that on Facebook. All right? If the world is the problem, then the world can't also be the solution. We have to stop trying to fill up the emptiness of our heart with the emptiness of the world. You cannot get a promotion and find peace. That's not how it works. If I just had that job, well, I had that job, didn't bring peace. If I just found that relationship, I found that relationship, it doesn't bring peace. Did you know you can be happily married and have a hollow and empty heart? Do you know you can love your spouse and sit down with them and talk to them about how, how unhappy and hurt you are and just unfulfilled you are with them, loving them intimately? Did you know that? Do you know your spouse can say the same thing? You can sit down and say, I just feel like I have no value. What, is, it, is it me? Is it, no, 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 not you, honey. You're the only thing holding me together. Come on, some of you have said that. I'm not picking on you. I'm saying it's the truth. If what sustains you is of the same world that breaks you, you will always repeat the cycle. Come on, this is Holy Spirit wisdom this morning. We have to learn to be sustained, but here's the truth. I come in here and I give you a message that sets your perspective straight, and it's on Sunday morning for about 35 minutes to two and a half hours, depending on what I'm stirring up, okay? Yeah, we'll have snack time if it goes past an hour. Don't worry, okay? Everyone online is like, well, I got access to snacks now. I know, you're sitting there like, whoa, oh, yeah, mm -hmm, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. List in the comments what you're eating right now. Just look for it. You'll see, you'll see. They snack the whole time. All right, so look, so what's, if, if that's what sustains you, your job can't sustain you, your family can't sustain you, your marriage can't sustain you, they're all fleeting. Some of us, I can't stand it when I'm watching some old movie and you got a couple on there and they start refer, they're all alone on the porch and they start referring to themselves as Ma and Pa. Well, what do you think we should do, Ma? Well, I don't know, Pa. But there's no one around them. They have no one in the home. No one lives in the home with them. Their kids have all grown. Their grandchildren live with their parents. They've all grown. And their identity is to something they're not walking in anymore. They've accepted an identity that left them frozen with no purpose or future. They've limited themselves to saying what I am is what I did and I no longer do. And that is a dangerous place when your identity is in what has happened in this world instead of in who lives in you. Your, the things that happen to you do not define who you are. The things that you do, great or bad, do not define who you are. Your character does. Things are always going to happen to you that they don't define who you are, both good and bad. And, and see, the good part is the problem. Because we can listen to an encouraging message like this and someone can say, hey, just because you messed up, just because some bad stuff happened doesn't mean you have no value. You have value. You're loved. You're, you're a princess, right? We could say all that. And that's true. All the guys are like, that is not true. We're the bride of Christ. We have to wear a wedding dress. Get over it, okay? We kind of are. All right, so, 
So, but we, we say that. But a lot of times I think we forget the reverse. And that as we start to press in and we find success in our life, as we start to grow in wisdom and knowledge and have opportunities and jobs and leadership positions and, and, and platforms elevated in our lives, or our kids are awesome and your kids are not, right? Come on, don't act like that, okay? I've been in Walmart and I thought, I am doing way better than you, lady. Right? That kid is like screaming on aisle three and my kids are like, Dad, how can I help you? And I'm like, <laughs> You should take some lessons from me. <laughs> Come on, you, uh, don't, don't act like there's not a parent in here that's gone to Walmart and thought, whew, I'm doing okay. <laughs> you're struggling. You're feeling like a bad parent. And so you're like, I can't do this. Get in the car. We're going to Walmart. I need a good sermon. <laughs> you walk in, you're like, I am not failing. I'm good. I'm good. All right, so we start to measure that even though we start to find some success in our life, we start trying to grab onto that as identity. We try trying to grab onto that and say, that makes me valuable. And we try to find value in the things that we have successes in. The problem with that is that if our value in what we do sustains us, then our lack of value in the bad things that happen to us will always bring us back down. So if, if your success makes you valuable, then your failure makes you worthless. Wow. So we can't gauge that because it opens the door for the enemy to say, now I got your number. Now I know how to break you. You, you, ever, you ever hear about people in the Great Depression when the stock market collapsed, how many millionaires killed themselves? The richest of the rich, the elite, began to kill themselves because they lost all their money. Where do you think their value was? Hmm. That's where their value was. Now, is there anything wrong with having a lot of money? No, absolutely not. I'll take as much as, as someone will give me. It's perfectly fine. The difference is, is that I understand that those are kingdom resources. Those are things my father has given me. And in him is all my value. And so when he gives them to me, I say, Lord, what would you like me to do with this? And if he says, take your wife on a date, I'm going to take my wife on a date. And if he says, feed homeless people, I'm going to feed homeless people. And if he says, get yourself a new car, I'm going to get a new car. And if he says, build an orphanage in Africa, I'm going to build an orphanage in Africa. I'm going to do what he asks me to do with it. I'm going to surrender to him. And it doesn't always mean that he's going to have me give it all away for nothing. It doesn't mean that we don't have blessings in that and that he wants us to be valuable. And you know how I know that? Because people that are close to God, you can, you can see the way they react. I had someone message me on Facebook this long email she sent me, and she goes, so uh, we had a family member that was struggling financially, and I made a decision that I should stop giving to your ministry and give to this family member, um, and so I did that. We're going to give this month to you again because everything in my life went wrong the second I stopped giving, and I said, yeah, that's right. She's like, the plumbing broke, we flooded. Like, she was naming off all these things, and she goes, it all happened within days of not giving to your ministry. We had taken the money we had promised to your ministry and said, we're going to give it there. And I sent you a note saying I was going to do it. She did. She was like, hey, just letting you know. And I'm like, that's fine. I don't care. I don't, like, I'm not worried about it. God's got me. But she's like, I'm going to give back to your ministry <laughs> because everything went the wrong way. And she realized all of a sudden, she went, you know what? I was just trying to help someone else. She, she was taking money that was meant to help one person and was going to help another. So she was doing the same thing, right? 
Like she wasn't being selfish or greedy. She just wasn't in obedience. She wasn't doing what God had asked her to do. So she sends me a message that we're going to give back to your ministry this month. If you feel so led, please use the money to take your wife out on a date. Not go win people for loss, go buy Bibles for Pakistan, go feed the homeless in Oklahoma City. No, she wanted me to use it to take my wife out for lunch. That's what she asked me to do. Is that not kingdom? Is that, see, that's the perspective we need to shift. We think that if we obey God, that that means that we're going to be torn and tattered the rest of our life, that somehow it will destroy us instead of realize that God loves us. We are sons and daughters, and when our value is found in him, he will treat us like royalty. It doesn't mean we get to walk through, the, don't, don't get me wrong here, I'm not giving a prosperity message where we just get to walk rich all the time, and that's what, I'm not saying either of those, actually. I'm not saying either of those. I'm saying that the first goal is not, what do I get out of it here? It's what do I get out of it here? It's that we have to be in a place where our hearts are full, our hearts are rich. And the goal of God is before he starts to transform your finances or your family, he wants to transform your faith. He wants to transform your heart. He wants to transform and renew your mind. He wants to change you into a person that is a vessel that can carry his glory. How many of you guys understand that God was very particular in how he built the temple? When he told them to build the temple, he says, I need a house. You guys all have a house. I'm hanging out with you in a house. He doesn't need a house. God doesn't need a house. In fact, the Bible says I don't need a house, but he wanted one. He's like, build me something. But he was very particular. He said, how many candelabras the candlestick should have. He said, what color, what material it should be made of. He said, where the curtains should go. He said, all the details. He's like, put that there, put that there. He was very, no, I won't say it. I won't say it. Um, he was very particular in his style. He was better than anybody on HDTV. Okay, that's all I'm saying. Okay? Right? Right? Can you imagine the reveal? And they're like, here is your new temple. <gasps> it's the colors I wanted. So it was perfect. But he was very particular on what he wanted. How many of you know he doesn't live in a temple anymore, that he doesn't live in these church four walls? Right, because we have not decorated with gold. Y'all need to help me out if that's what he wants, because we, we failing, y'all. How many of you guys know where his temple is now? It's here. It's in you. You're the temple, and he wants to decorate you. Amen? Amen? He wants your candelabras in the right place. He wants your curtains hung correctly. He wants everything in your life lined up with what he's asked you to do so that he can begin to inhabit you. It wasn't until the temple was complete and fully decorated the way he wanted to and it said his spirit came in to the holy of holies. There is a holy of holies that lives inside of you that God wants to position you. He is correcting you. He's shearing you. He's moving you. He's, he's, he's decorating you so that he can get you in a place where you can handle more of his glory. He wants to dwell in you at a higher level. And all that means is just move the furniture around so he can fit. And so sometimes we need to get rid of all the junk in our life that's been in there that's in his way. And he says, no, that's got to go. No, that's got to go. Now my presence is comfortable. And so it becomes this mission of us learning how to serve, learning how to love, learning how to walk in peace. He doesn't want to decorate you with, cur with actual curtains. He wants to decorate you with peace. He wants to decorate you with joy. He wants to decorate you with love. He wants to decorate you with mercy. He wants to decorate you with grace. 
Those are the things he wants to put inside of you. He wants to see you live out loud your faith and not just on Sunday morning. Because here's the truth. You will surrender to what you're surrounded by. And I can't compete with what you're surrounded by in my 30 minutes to six hours on Sunday. Oh, yeah, it just got longer because I feel the spirit of preach coming on. Some of you are like, what? And I'm like, you gave Netflix more than six hours this week. I don't want to hear it. Sit down. This is why I can't grow a church. Everyone's like, I ain't coming back. There are six hours of preaching. Mm, no way. Mm, that was no good. All right? All right? Look, I can't compete. Some of you watch the news more than you're going to hear me preach today. And I'm, I'm not griping at you. Please, please don't. I'm just, it's just true. We wonder why we're losing our teenagers to a lost and dying world. They, they hear church a little bit all week long. But have you seen the atmosphere in their schools? Have you seen what those kids watch? Go ask my kids where the first time they saw, let me just say this, inappropriate internet material. Because I know we got some kids in the room. Inappropriate internet material. Ask them where they saw it first. They will tell you someone at school walked up with a phone, went, look at this. Literally. And just put it in their face and open demonic doors. That's the atmosphere. I can't compete with that on time. If all you'll give is 30 minutes, if you come every single Sunday and all you give is 30 minutes, you are giving your attention and your solutions of your life to the world more than you are to God. You have to think about what goes in and out. Do your eyes and your ears hear more of heavenly things or more of worldly things? And if that's the case, what are you doing to make sure that is not your base of encouragement? Because let me, let me tell you what. I don't care what side of the political aisle you are on. If all you ever do is watch news, you will be an angry person. Okay? All my conservative friends in here, if you watch nothing but conservative news, you'll get angry. My liberal friends in here, if you watch nothing but liberal news, you'll get angry. Because it's all full of rage. And don't act like it's not. You can say that my policy is right. That's fine. Your policy may be right, but your attitude sucks. Do you know how many times I've been told that in my life? I have good people in my life who sharpen me, who mentor me. And I called up one of my mentors one time, Dan Mooney, okay? First year pastor at Global Awakening, Randy Clark School. And I called him up and I'm like, I have this leader. And they said, they said that they don't think that God talks whenever you want. And they're like, no, God doesn't just talk whenever. And I'm like, yes, he does. He talks whenever. Because I was talking about leadership. And I said, we need to be listening to God throughout the week about what he wants to do on Sunday. And they said, well, that's if he talks that week. And I'm like, he talks that week. And he's like, yeah, he doesn't always talk in, in, in that week. And I'm like, what? what? And he's like, yeah, he's not always talking. I've asked him lots of things and I haven't heard an answer. And I said, just because you haven't heard it doesn't mean he's not talking. I said, clearly you're a husband. Give it, just give it a second. All the ladies are like, yeah, I know what you're saying. I talk a lot and he ain't listening. Okay? All right? I tell him all kinds of things, but he don't hear nothing until dinner's ready. So you know it's true. Right? How many wives in here have tried something like that and then you just said something like, I made you food. And then there was no food. You just wanted to see if they pay attention. Right? Right? How about... You could. <laughs> I'm not going to say the second one I was going to say then because the second one was more romantic. Get us attention. All right, so 
I can't compete with that which you give your attention to. But the reality is, is, is so I had a disagreement with him. I, of course you can hear God's voice. So I call up my mentor. He is telling me you can't hear God's voice all the time. And, and he, he's like, and I said, am I wrong? I just wanted to check myself. I wanted to be humble and check myself to make sure my theology was correct. Am I right or am I wrong here? And he goes, he goes, Ren, of course you're right. You're not calling me because you're wrong. He goes, of course you're right. Of course your theology is right. But your attitude sucks. I was like, what? He goes, you need to go apologize to that man. And I was like, what? Me? Right? I'm like, what? why am I at fault? And he goes, because you're where the buck stops. You're the leader. And clearly you haven't led him to believe in the same things you are. You have failed him in leadership. <gasps> How many of you know the, the wind got sucked out of me at that moment? And he goes, you're the leader. Lead him better. Lead him to understand that God talks. Teach him how God can talk to him all the time. And I went, wow. And that was really when it set into me that I had no clue how to teach anybody to hear God's voice. I, I hear God's voice. He doesn't. Well, how do I teach him? I don't know. But at that very moment, and, and since then, I've obviously learned how to do that, okay? But since then, but at that very moment, I realized that the buck, was on, the, the buck stopped with me and it was on me. And I went back and apologized to him. And so I realized that I don't want to put myself in a position where I think I'm right and I have a haughty attitude over it. So I might be right. I probably am. But I don't have to be rude. I don't have to be unloving. I don't have to be uncaring. And so there's going to be times where you are in conflict with other people and what they believe. But I'm telling you right now, if all you ever do is spend time around people that believe they're right and are hateful over it, then you will become that. I'm not saying you can't watch the news. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying let's have an attitude of understanding where our time is going and whether it has value to us and making sure that we don't surrender to things we're surrounded by that we shouldn't be surrounded by. Amen. If we are surrendering to that, then maybe we need to pause and say, you know what? I'm watching this. I'm getting angry. It's time for me to shut it off and, get, and, and do something positive and change my environment. We have to be atmosphere shifters. That's what we do. We cannot allow other things to leak their atmosphere onto us. We have to have leaky atmospheres. We have to leak a little. And I don't care where I go. See, for me, the church is not this building. For me, the church is anywhere my feet are touching. I don't care if I'm at Walmart. I don't care if I'm at Taco Bell. I don't care if I'm at Lowe's. The church is everywhere my feet touch. Sean came up to me earlier and told me there's some um, Wiccan shop that just opened right next to his pet shop. And he said, what do I do about it? I said, turn it into a church. Amen. Turn it into a church. I said, man, you've got a harvest field right next to you. I'm so excited for you. And he goes, yeah, that's good. And I was like, imagine all those people that are just stopped by the pet store after they shop for their Wiccan stuff right here in Mustang. And they're going to go in your pet store and you're going to get to share the light with them while they've been sitting in darkness. I was like, and you're going to get to show them where the real power comes from, not from their crystal, but from a living God, from a living God. Amen. We serve a live God. Amen. Amen. Woo, come on. Come on. We have to be atmosphere shifters. So everywhere I go is going to be an atmosphere because of who lives in me, because I am the temple of the Lord. Everywhere I go, I become an ambassador of his presence and I'm able to pour out, but I will not allow the environment of other people to leak onto me. I cannot compete with your time here. 
You will spend countless hours this week doing other things more than you spent in church. And that's okay. I'm not getting on to you, right? Because I have to provide more opportunity. The point is, is that if our only time in his presence is here in this building, then you will always continue to surrender to the world, which means your joy will be found there, your peace will be found there, your value will be found there. And some of you, as I say that, you're like, uh, sometimes like, I don't want to go to church more. I don't want to go to church more. It's not a want, it's a need. I don't want to pray today. It's not a want, it's a need. If you don't, then the other gods of this world will have your attention. Who this day do you serve? Who you give your time to is your God. Who you give your time to is your God. Because he says he's first. And so for me, it becomes about making sure that my attention is on him. Now, now, okay, so we're just not supposed to go to work now? I spend way more time at work. I'm not being unrealistic. Take him to work with you. That's what I'm trying to get to. Take him to the grocery store with you. Take him to Taco Bell with you. And when he says, hey, that's my son and daughter and I love them, go love on them for me. Do it. Let him decorate your temple. Be an ambassador everywhere you go. Take him with you. You ever, you ever fathers, mothers, you ever start to go towards the store and one of the kids are like, I'm gonna go with you. Did you not go to the store? Did they go with you? You can do both, right? You can have a great bonding experience with your kids or your spouse by going to the store, right? Some of you are like, oh no, not us. Mm -mm. I took them clothes shopping one time. That was not good. It's because you didn't buy them anything. You just made them look at 37 outfits and he said, I like that one. And you said, no, I don't like it. I like that one. No, I don't like this one. And you literally bought nothing wonder why he doesn't want to go with you again. <laughs> See, the, the little giggles are the real laughs right there. It's the little ones I hear that are going, because <laughs> you're not trying to do it loud enough that your spouse knows you're really laughing hard. You're like, yeah, that's you. That's what I know. If you're just belly laughing, you're just like, I can agree with that, but the little chuckles let me in on a little something, something so we can start counseling, okay? <laughs> I'm paying attention, scanning the room. So I can't compete with the time. Holy Spirit can't compete with the time. If we don't start to be atmosphere setters and take him everywhere we go in our atmospheres and get our value from him rather than the world. And trust me, I'm preaching to myself this morning. I'm, I'm preaching to myself this morning. I just, just yesterday, I preached to a thousand people in Pakistan that gathered to watch me on a screen. Because we couldn't fly to Pakistan because we can't get our visas and everything just yet because the government's not approving anything because of COVID. So they wouldn't give us our visas. So instead, they set up the meeting anyways. There was about 1,000 people that showed up to watch us on a big screen, projected on a screen, and preached. Hundreds of people gave their life to Jesus. Probably 100 or more got healed while I prayed over the internet. People were lined up to testify and they couldn't even take all the testimonies of the line of people that formed. One guy was completely paralyzed on his right side. He couldn't lift his arm at all. And the people came up and he was able to move every limb after I prayed over the internet from, um, from Oklahoma to Pakistan. Come on. Amen. Somebody should give God some glory for that. Quiet church is a dead church. Y'all gotta get loud or something. 
your amen is an agreement, and it unlocks things in heaven. Never think it's not appropriate to amen something I say, okay? So as the Lord is elevating me in this season, let me tell you something else that just happened so you know. Um, I just finally worked out the final details and got the information and began to program and do all the technical programming. So, you know, once they start sending you code that you have to enter and stuff, it's done. Okay, that's, that's, the, that's definitely done. Not just, yes, we want to do it, and yes, you know, here's the information, but when they start sending you the code, you have to input. Um, but I just worked it out that two more satellite TV stations, one based here in America called Eternal uh, Life, and another one based in Pakistan, Isaac TV, which is the largest one, will also be carrying our sermons and our, our uh, broadcasts that we produce for this church. So that makes... Three television stations that we're on. God is elevating the ministry. He's doing something. Did you hear what I said? God is elevating the ministry. I don't say that he's elevating me. He's elevating the giftings, talents, and anointing in my life. So I have to be particularly careful as the season happens to not go, you know what? I'm this. And to find my value in the fact that somebody else put me on TV. Somebody else said yes, but what if he had said no? If I find my value in the yes, I'll find my failure in the no. Huh. Do you guys know Arby's down the street? When they first started, like it was, I think it was something like 49 banks said no to them. When they tried to start that, 49 banks said no. And they said nobody wants roast beef fast food. Said no. If you find your value in the no, you will find yourself as a failure. And so in the yes, I don't find any value. I'm thankful. I'm grateful to God. So the Bible says this. It says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. My thankfulness over what he's done in my life allow me to get access to the kingdom. I enter his gates. So thankfulness will give you and unlock the access to the kingdom of God. An unthankful person, a bitter person, an angry person that does the right thing has no access to the kingdom. Your thankfulness will put you into kingdom. It will unlock kingdom authority. It will unlock kingdom mindsets. It will unlock kingdom provision. It will unlock kingdom blessing. Your thankfulness. But your praise will put you in the presence of a king. Your praise will put you in his presence. So your thankfulness will give you some unlocking to the kingdom, but your praise will get you in his presence. So if you are praising yourself, you are all alone in your own presence. But if you are praising him, if your value is found in him, when you are praising him, you will find yourself in his presence and everything will be unlocked to you. Your value should not be in this world, but with him. Your atmosphere needs to be not of this world, but in him. So my atmosphere is his atmosphere. I am praising him. So I know when I walk in somewhere where the atmosphere is not my own, I say, thank you, Lord, that you're going to use me in this place right now. Thank you. And I say, and I praise you, God, that what you're going to do in this place. And I invite you to move and use me as a vessel. Clean this vessel up so I can hold more of your glory. See, the reason why God wants you to stop sinning is not because you're evil. It's not because you're wicked. It's not because you're terrible. Stop Stop calculating sin as value. Stop it. Stop it. God doesn't want you to take sin as value. It is not value. Sin just cleans the room so God can rest comfortably in it. 
It just dusts off the table. Excuse me, getting rid of sin just dusts off the table. Getting rid of sin is cleaning up the temple so more of his presence can be in it. That's what it is. He doesn't want you cluttering up his place so he can't be there. That's what God is trying to do. So our value is found in him, not in what we do or don't do. What we do or don't do will activate us into doing more or doing less, but it is not our value. Amen? That's good news. That's good news this morning. That's good news. Where has your hope been? Where has your joy been? Where has your peace been? Is it found in things of this world? Are you only at peace if everything is going right? And if you answer yes to that, all of you are going to answer no if I ask you. But if you, look at the, if you look at the fruit of your life, would the answer of that be the other way? Would it be a yes? That only when things are going right, you're at peace. And that means that you have put the value of peace in the wrong place. And so we need to begin to seek heaven's value. Heaven's peace, heaven's joy. If the things that happen to you take away your peace. Okay, here's the truth in my life. We're all guilty of this at some level. We're all guilty of handing over our joy, handing over our peace to the enemy at some point. All right, we do that. I actually am pretty good about not giving up my peace or my joy over the big things. My wife came home and said, I lost my job this morning. And I was like, whoa, that's heavy. And I was okay. Right? I just pondered for a little while, but I didn't go into a fit. I didn't go into a depression. I didn't lose it. I, was, I, I kept my peace and my joy, although I did not like what I was listening to. And I'm like, okay, this is going to require some, some work. I need to get busy. How many of you guys understand that walking as a believer does not mean sitting around eating potato chips waiting on God to show up with checks? Do you understand that? That if you have God's peace, you walk out God's peace. If you have God's joy, you walk out God's joy. You do things from joy, not for joy. You do things from peace, not for peace. Do you understand that? Your actions reflect what you carry. What you carry will come out of you. That's how it works. Whatever's in your spiritual backpack will come out when you open it. You can't grab onto things out of a pack you don't have, okay? It ain't a magical backpack. It ain't like that, all right? You can't just keep pulling out whatever. Whatever you put in the pack will come out of the pack. So if God's peace is in it, it'll come out of you. And you'll respond out of it. You cannot help but be who you are. I've never seen somebody collapse and have a heart attack in front of a doctor and he went, I'm off shift. Have you? No, he goes to work, right? Because it's who he is. He does what's need to be done. I've never seen a soldier stand in front of someone and get punched in the face and go, ah, I'm off duty. I'm not on tour. No, he, he responds to the threat every time. Am I wrong? It's because he's who he is. It's what he does. So whatever you are will come out of you. And so we lose our peace. Me, I don't lose peace over the big things. I lose them over the dumb little things. The ones where I'm not thinking to keep my peace or my joy. I'm not telling myself and reminding myself who I am and where my value is. It's the little things that don't trigger that response until I realize, like, oh, I just lost my peace, okay? I'll tell on myself. The biggest one I lose my peace is when my wife's going, what do, where do I click on this screen? I can't handle instructing in peace her where to click. It's the worst. I'm like, no, you click there and you do that and do that. and then you, No, there, click it. And she's like, stop being mean. I'm like, sorry, 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 sorry. 
Sorry, I'll go drink more coffee. I'm not awake. It's true. It's true. She, you ask her, she'll be like, yeah, he's not wrong. All right? It's true. She's nodding. It's true. I lose my peace and I have to go, wait a second. Because it's so small, I don't think about it. And so I lose my peace in that moment. I lose my joy. Right? And what am I doing to my wife? I'm trying to rob her of joy. So I have to remind myself who I am. So sometimes it's the small things that get us. Don't let anything rob your peace or joy. Don't let anything set your value. So I have to remember where my value is and remember whose son I am and who I'm representing in that moment. Go, no, that's not who I am. And I'm not going to allow my temple to be mucked down with frustration. I'm not going to let my attitude suck even though I'm right. And allow my temple to be able to hold less of his glory. How many of you guys understand that the Old Testament was clear? Too much of God's glory killed a physical body, right? Moses couldn't look on God's face because too much of his face killed him. He could only look at God's backside because it was too much glory. And he still shone like the sun for three days from just seeing his backside. Yet in 2 Chronicles, it says those who seek his what? Face. Those who seek his face but his face will kill you see i think god was trying to teach a lesson you cannot yet handle my glory see moses had to prepare the people for three days to encounter god clean them up get them ready wash them clean prepare their temple to receive my presence the more we are prepared the more we walk prepared cleaned up temples the more we walk that way the more of his presence we can stand I don't know about you, but some of you are like, I want all his presence. You can't handle his presence. Three people got that. You can't handle the presence. You cleaning up your temple is the key to unlocking more of his presence. The more you line up with heaven, the more of heaven is in you to come out the more that everything that comes in this world will bounce off you and reflect off you. And you can't help but walk blessed and favored. You can't help but walk highly favored amongst man and with God. That everywhere you go, people say, I don't know why, but I just want to give you stuff and bless you. And I just, right? You ever seen someone from across the room and you're like, I just, I don't know. I'm just drawn to that person. They're just magnetic. There's just so much peace in them. There's so much joy. And you ever meet someone like that? Right? You ever walk by someone and you're like, I got to get out of your atmosphere quick. Right? Just one word from them and you're like, oh my gosh. Come on. Y'all know you've been stuck in the checkout line at Walmart more than once with both of those people. One, you're like, I hope this line takes a little longer. You are wonderful to be around. And the next one, you're like, oh my gosh, check, lady, check. Move it. Come on. Come on. You're helping. You're shoving stuff right? You're pushing the little conveyor belt a little faster. Got to get out of this person's atmosphere. Some people you treasure and some people you tolerate. And it all depends on what they've done with their temple. Hmm. It's good. Holy Spirit, thank you. So what will we do with our temple? What will we fill it with? Will we fill it with the things of this world or will we put our value in God? Will we press into his presence? Will we take him everywhere we go? Will we take him with us when we watch the news, when we watch the Netflix, when we spend time outside? Like, will we take him with us everywhere we go? Will we keep our mind on things above or will they be on things below? 
Where will our hearts be and our minds be? If, if church is the only time God is on the mind, then you will find yourself struggling in the world. Your value will always come from there. God is doing something right now in the earth. Some of us, our value was found on who was president, right? We've had a lot of words. I had Chris Reed on the broadcast and he had a powerful prophetic word. I've heard a lot of prophets prophesy this way and that way. And, and, and some people, they reply on those posts and they say this. They say, oh, man, I was losing hope. Thank you for your word. I got hope again. Your hope shouldn't be found in his word, in Chris's word. It should be found in the word. Amen. Amen. That's where your hope should be. Our joy needs to be found in God. Our peace needs to be found in God. And nothing in this world should shake it. There is something called holy laughter, holy joy. I know because in Psalms it says this. It says the sons of God have an inheritance of nations because of his laughter, because of God's laughter. God laughs and the sons of God have an inheritance of nations. How would you like to be battling for nations and God is laughing at how fun it is? His laughter. When we walk in a place where we carry God's laughter, God's joy, God's peace, then the nations have to become our inheritance. And it doesn't really matter the outcome of elections. It doesn't really matter the outcome of, of what's going on in the world. It doesn't matter if there's riots or protests. None of that matters. When we start to be joy and peace and stop arguing with people, but instead let out our joy and our peace, our inheritance is nations. We'll win a nation back, not based on who won an election, but based on what we carry and what we release on people. I don't need people to, to change. I don't need to change anybody's mind. I need to change their soul. And when I bring them into the presence of Jesus, they become a new creation. I don't know why we're always trying to change old creations from old creations into old creations. I can't for the life of me figure out why I want to argue with someone that's broken to just change where they're broken at. You can't fix people in the world. All you can do is change where the broken piece is. Broken people are broken. So if I fix their political mindset, I broke them somewhere else because they're still broken. You cannot put people back to piece, one piece at a time. Humpty Dumpty isn't going back together again. All the king's men tried it. It didn't work. And yet we still keep doing that, don't we? We still keep arguing with people that we think that a reprobate mind or an unrenewed mind will somehow all of a sudden think on heavenly things. I'm not trying to change your political mind, your social mind, I'm not trying to get in here and do that. I'm trying to give you heaven's mind. And when heaven takes over, you will think the way heaven thinks, period. And that'll be whatever it is. But I'm telling you right now, if you are angry over your belief system, that is not heaven. That is not heaven. It's not heaven. And I have to remember when I get angry over something because I believe it, I'm not lining up with heaven. Let me give you one example and I'll close with this and I'm done. Let me give you one example. I can be at this altar and pray for someone and they'll come up and they'll be like, yeah, I'm still going through it. And when I'm in my moment of seeing God's grace and God's glory and I'm in his presence and I look at that daughter or that son coming up to me and saying, pray for me. 
I have all the compassion in the world for that person. I love them. Oh man, they're struggling with this. They can't seem to overcome it. The enemy keeps beating them down. God, we just need more grace and more mercy over them. We need more power and strength. They got to get free from this. I'm so tired of them being defeated by this. I just love them. I just want to see them set free. And then 10 minutes later, they're talking to me in the back. And now I'm not in God's presence. I'm not, I'm not in that thick of it. And I'm processing things through my own mind instead of heaven's mind. And I'm like, freaking person. I pray for them with the same thing every single week. They're always coming back with the same thing because they pick it right back up. They're going to walk right out that door, pick it right back up, and come up here on Sunday and be like, pray for me. And now I'm annoyed at the same thing that my heart was broken for 10 minutes ago. One was a heavenly mindset. The other one was the earthly mindset. Don't get trapped in an earthly mindset. Amen? Bow your heads with me for a second. We're going to change the way we do altar just a little bit. Just bow your heads, every eye closed, so it's private for just a moment. But if this message impacted you, if this spoke to you, if you know this is you, you're caught up in the world too much, you take your value out of the world, and you haven't been able to put your value or get your value from heaven, and you know you're lost because the world has made you lost, not because God because the world, and you've been allowing that to influence you. If that's you this morning, just raise your hand for me so I can pray for you. Come on, who else? Amen, amen, who else? Amen, amen. If you realize this morning right now that you have not been allowing the full value that you carry to influence the atmosphere of your life like you should be, that you need to live out loud a little bit more, and that's you, raise your hand so I can pray for you. Come on, amen, 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 amen. Come on, a lot of hands, a lot of hands. Now, this is what I want you to do. I don't want you to keep your head down because you are not shameful. So I want you to look at me. If you raise, everybody can look at me if they want, but if you raised your hand in particular, I want you to look at me because I'm gonna pray for you. I don't know where we get this idea of bowing our heads. I know it lets us focus and gives us an intimate moment. That's fine for privacy, but I want you to look at me when I pray. I don't want you to close your eyes when I pray because I want to break something off you this morning. I want to break off the earthly mindset. And I want to put a kingdom mindset on you this morning. I want to break off the spirit of poverty on you. The poverty mindset that says that if someone tells you no, you're in lack. That you fail because they say no. Or if they say yes, that you have success. I want to break that off you this morning. So in the name of Jesus, I declare right now, and if you need that, you just put your hands out. In the name of Jesus, I just declare right now that the earthly mindset is broken off of you right now and that God is renewing your mind, restoring your mind, setting things apart inside of you and turning you into a heavenly creation. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I renew your mind. I declare right now that Holy Spirit is beginning to do a work inside of you that is powerful and palpable and that today you are shifting and that the love of God is pouring into you right now. The love of God is sustaining you that he's turning you into his temple and that the glory of God is coming onto you right now as I release it in the name of Jesus. That the enemy can no longer control your thoughts or speak to you, but I bind the enemy that comes to still kill and destroy over your life. And instead, I set you in alignment with heaven. Your mind is renewed. Your body is renewed. Your spirit is renewed. And now the earth must concede to the will of God around you. The will of God will be done in your life now because your mind has been set on things above. 
And as you walk as a kingdom citizen, you will be blessed and highly favored everywhere you go because you bless and highly favor everyone where you go. That right now, as you begin to pour out into others, you will see others pour out into you. And you will not understand why your cup is so overflowing because you can't stand to not overflow onto others. As a kingdom citizen right now, I put in you a spirit of loving others. A desire and desperation to see others have value. And that when you feel valueless, you will rise up and put value into others. Because your heart will be that no one should feel like that. And I declare right now over you, the power of God to live inside of you, rest inside of you, pour out of you that which others need. And that as you meet others' needs, God will sustain everything for you in the background. Every problem, every situation, every circumstance of your life, you will find that when you turn around after focusing on someone else, that it's already been resolved and that God has already taken care of it. That your problems are not problems to God. They're opportunities for him to show his love. And so I declare right now, I declare right now that he pour out his grace and his mercy on you, that he bless you, and that right now your life will be transformed into the image of Christ, into a heavenly kingdom citizen. And as you begin to live out a thankful life, you will walk in authority. And as you begin to live out a life of praise, Father, I know there's trouble on this news station I'm watching, but I praise you anyways. I praise you that you are good. Father, I reject the notion right now that somehow you are in control of us. You are not a controlling God. You are in command. You are a God who commands us and we control whether we say yes or no. And so I declare right now that we will be people that have our minds set on God so that we will say yes and no and be obedient to your commands. And I thank you, God, that you are moving on these people in the name of Jesus. I feel like just as I had two names flash in my mind as I prayed, Delilah and Deborah, and I don't know if there's anybody physically that that means anything to you in this room, but I felt like the Lord was just saying two things to me. He said that there is some women in here that have not yet risen up to their position of leadership, that, God, that you've been servants, but God in this season says your servanthood has opened up opportunities of leadership to you. Your 900 times of serving is opening up the six of leader. And he says, I'm going to elevate you in this season like Deborah's. And you're going to have more influence in this next season. There's somebody in here, I don't know if it's a job or what the Lord is speaking to about that, but you're about to see an increase in influence. And, and the name Delilah popped in my head as the song, Hey There Delilah, came into my mind. And the Lord said that he's doing this because of his great love for you. He's doing this because of his great love for you. And he's pouring out his love on you. And that no separation from him will keep him from elevating you in the season as you draw back to him. That there's someone here, there's a leadership position that's going to become available. It's been the cry of your heart, but you've been distant from God. And that God is closing that gap. And that as he closes that gap, there is no reason to be ashamed or fearful at all of this gap being closed. And how he's going to move you back into relationship. As you get close to him, there is no, there is no punishment or grief over the distance. But rather than that, he says, I've been waiting so I can elevate you now. I'm going to use you. I've just been waiting for us to get close. And so I believe God is doing that right now in the name of Jesus. Amen.
Come on, Jesus. Somebody look up uh, John 3, 14 for me and read that out loud. I don't even have my Bible up here. Read it out loud for me. I'm going to prophesy just for a minute. I just felt like that scripture flashed through my mind. It was for somebody. And we all know John 3, 16, right? Most of us should. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever should believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Does anybody know 17? For God did not come to condemn the world but to save it. 14, what is it? There it is. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah, I forgot you can do that. Jesus. The bronze snake represents healing. So I feel like there's some healing that needs to take forth. So I'm going to invite the altar call team here. But I feel like in particular, God wants to bring healing. And I felt like that word was for the person I was speaking to. And you know who you are. You can come approach me afterwards. I was talking about leadership, getting close to him, that Deborah and Delilah, and then healing. And I believe you know exactly who that is. I'm not saying that you need a healing. I'm saying that that scripture right there made sure you were pinpointed when you were still going, I don't know if that's me. I don't know if that's me. That scripture hit you right in the heart about the fact that healing is a big part of your story. Jesus. So I believe that God's going to heal some people this morning. So I want to let my powerful and equipped leaders who have raised up into atmospheres that release love and authority and power onto other people be the ones that pray over you this morning as I've prayed over you this morning. So if you need a healing in your body, if you need a touch from this altar, I'm going to release you and you can come or you can go. So in the name of Jesus, I bless them, Father, as they go name of Jesus, I bless you and I put the face of Jesus all over you this week. And if nobody told you, I love you, God loves you, shalom, please come. Amen. We want to pray for you. Send us a message with your prayer requests through Facebook or email and let us know how we can pray for you today. Also, let us know how this message impacted your life. I love you. God loves you. Shalom.